Welcome to the Healthcare Marketing Underground podcast for the week of November 23rd, 2015. This is episode number 279, and I'm Chris Boyer, Senior Vice President, Revive Health. And joining me today are... Jared Ussery, Creative Technologist at Revive Health. And we also have a very special guest. Libby Werner, Account Supervisor at Revive Health. Hey, Libby. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Happy and excited to be here. Awesome. Well, now, Jared is an old hand at this. He's been at this podcast for a while now. Um, he's been here before, but um, you're new. Why don't you, um, uh, Libby, why don't, um, we've worked with you, and Jared, you had a chance to introduce yourself before, but Libby, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Let them know a little bit about your background, who you are, what you do. Sure. Um, so as I said, I'm an account supervisor here at Revive. So I'm working specifically on the health systems team. So um, within that, you know, it's working very closely, as you said, with you and Jared on, you know, branding and marketing for all the health systems we work with, both here in Nashville and throughout the country. Oh, that's great. Yep. And you, you work closely with Jared and I with a couple of our, our health system clients. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we've, we've developed quite a rapport. I think we consider ourselves, at least I called ourselves the digital dream team for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, do you agree with that? Folks, she is awesome. Like, like the ability to like get a client like on board and on track. I mean, come on, like you just have to have that on a team. And she, like, I wish, I wish I had those skills. Stop <laughs> it. But really, go on. <laughs> but Libby, you've been you've been in the digital space for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, I started my career. Oh goodness, a few years ago now. Um, working on more of the the social media digital monitoring side you know what i call more of the back end of the house mm-hmm. um and then moves into advertising both mm-hmm. the traditional advertising and digital advertising and now find myself here that's great that's great well well a good thing that you're here today because we're going to have uh, pretty much a sort of a digitally focused uh, podcast today but before we talk about that um I, i'd like to just kind of touch base on some of our upcoming uh, big events i think the biggest event that we want to refer to is the joe public retreat um, which is uh, the special two-day workshop in this amazing uh, location um, in february of this year february 17th through the 19th um, i know that libby neither you nor jared had been to the joe public retreat but mm-hmm. this is a like a two-day workshop it's unlike any other kind of like it's not like a conference it's not it's not like a, a, a two-day um you know like workshopping session it's a little bit of everything where we we really work with some of the top leading healthcare marketers in the country really focus on some of the uh challenges and initiatives that they're kind of dealing with in every day you know, and there's some of the things we're going to be talking about today are really in line with where these are some of the trends that they're feeling, the pains that they're feeling from their market. So, um, so we encourage people to, if they're interested, there's only a limited amount of seats left. They should rush out right now and, uh, and, and go to joepublicretreat.com and learn a little bit more about the event. There's kind of a funny, quirky video there that Chris and I uh, put together, um, as well as the ability to register because, you know, limited seats, these things go very, very fast. So um, getting that out of the way. So uh, any, um, anything else we want to add before we jump into the topics today? No? I don't think so. Let's get, let's get to it. Let's get, should we get jump right into it? All right. 
So um, today our topics are going to be around actually um, very much digitally focused, as I mentioned, and some of these actually touch upon personalized marketing. And, you know, we've uh, done a, a, a white paper about personalized marketing um, that uh, people can download. We'll put it in the show notes. But personalized marketing is really kind of the, uh, the intersection of digital and your website with CRM, with marketing automation, and the electronic medical record. Because we're really seeing in the market, you know, this huge confluence of uh, data and intelligence around all the, the people that we serve as hospital systems. Um, and, and these tools give you really great insight and the ability to kind of engage, interact with people. And um, so we found a couple of articles here that really would, uh, that really align with that. Um, so the first article is, uh, is one, well, maybe, maybe you want to set this one up, the first article. Sure. Uh, yeah, the first one is coming to us from the technology review, and the, the headline is what got me. Uh, tech companies are not trusted with health data. Um, and, and this one is interesting because it's a survey that went out to a bunch of consumers and kind of asked them, you know, who they'd want to share their health history with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about it, and obviously your traditional channels, if you will, physicians, family members, even your health insurer are coming out towards the top. But then when you look at, um, you know, things like, to me, government and, and coming from a pharma background, drug companies are towards the end of the list. Right. Um, but what's most surprising is that technology companies are at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially with the Googles and the Apples and Microsoft out there nowadays um, trying to get into healthcare a little bit more, especially with you know some of these personalized marketing areas. Uh, it's interesting because I don't I don't think those kind of companies are used to you know being at the bottom. Now wait a second. Uh, there's so many people getting Fitbits and they're using like their iPhones and Apple Watches and tracking stuff. Are you saying that even though they're tracking it, they don't trust people? They don't trust these organizations with our health data? Exactly. Wow. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and it's 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 looking through it to me. You know, it's they're they're doing all those sorts of things. They're making, as you said, the Fitbits and all other different types of even working with EMRs. You know, and trying to do do iPhone apps and and things like that. But as much as people are using them, they're still not trusting them. Right, right. Well, you know, okay. So it's a little bit more more nuanced than that, I think. So first of all, you know, there's this. Uh, we, we always get suspicious on this podcast when we talk about people doing surveys, right? Because, I mean, if you ask people outright, I don't know. I, I guess if you would ask me, well, Jared, let me ask you. I, if you were if you were surveyed this way, would you answer similarly to the way they the way the consumers responded to in this? Um, I don't know. A few, I guess it was about uh, six, seven years ago, Google had a product where they were uh, letting you store health information online, and I, I might have been one of the people to sign up for it. They eventually discontinued yeah. it because there just wasn't enough buy-in at the time. Right. But I don't know if my sentiment has changed now. Like, I, I actually wonder if it has a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. now I don't want all my information shared with a technology company who can serve up better advertising to me. I, I don't know. that it's, it's a touchy, like, I don't want pharma ads based on, you know, what, how I went to the doctor right. recently. Maybe that's and, just me. And I'm wondering if that's what it is. I mean, because they said, right, like Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft – Shared poorly, 5% of people saying they'd share these. And then they even said, like, even further that Facebook was even lower. Like, only 2% of people said they'd share health data with Facebook. (laughs) Of all things they share on Facebook, health data, nope, not that one. Which, I don't know. I mean, I I have friends, I even have family members that share health data pretty frequently on on Facebook to me. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I'm wondering if they, they knew that, you know, if they instant, if they message me on Facebook, that Facebook knows what that topic is about, if they would change their behavior, I don't mm-hmm. know. But, um, but do you think that that's maybe an extension of the people that just don't trust Facebook, Apple, Google, whatever with, because they're advertiser advertisements? Jared? I think, I think yeah, so. Jared, yeah. You guys think so? I, I do. Yeah. Cause it's there, you know, people, an everyday consumer who doesn't um, always understand why they're suddenly getting some sort of an ad coming to them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they blame it on, you know, if they're using Chrome, they're blaming it on Chrome. They're blaming it on Safari and they don't want to get that. So if I avoid those companies and those ads will go away. Right. Right. And, you know, but, you know, but I have mapped my ride. I have, you know, uh, the, I always check my steps on my phone, you know, see how many steps I took today. I mean, that's, that's health data. And I guess maybe I'm even, it's, they're tracking it whether we like it or not. It's true. It's very, <laughs> I very true. Um, I, I don't know. I, th- I found this article to be kind of interesting. Um, there was something really insightful too that was said in the middle of this, right? Um, and it's kind of like it was halfway through the, uh, through the article itself, and um, they, were, they, they indicated that it's not, um, okay, so it says healthcare accounts, healthcare accounts for about 18% of the U.S. gross domestic pro, uh, GDP, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an immense market that tech companies and entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley are really trying to get into, right? But um, one of these, uh, one of the, the persons that were interviewing an industry analyst said that um, it relies on data liquidity, so that most health data is trapped in, inside hospitals or insurance databases. It cannot be exchanged freely. And they said that's the problem, right? So when they're talking about that, what, they say, what they're really talking about is that most hospitals and health systems, which are basically at the top of the list of trust, right, in this regard, um, keep their data inside these electronic uh, medical records or EHR applications. And they're, and they're not sharing that freely with um, Google and Facebook and others or other tech companies. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, what do you think, what are your thoughts around that? It's, it's interesting because I think, you know, there's, there's, we've heard, especially lately, a lot of these health systems that have been hacked or they've had data breaches. And again, you wonder how much they relate back to the Googles and the Apples of the world. And if mm-hmm. you know, they suddenly give away their data, are they going to be much more susceptible to something like that? Right. Derek? I'm, actually, I'm actually kind of interested. If I, you look at this, uh, there's a chart attached. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you guys uh, pull it up, you'll see that physician, family, health insurer, and research institution are all listed. But absent, kind of, and maybe physician is kind of taking place with this, is a hospital health system. Right. And kind of being on the back end, kind of talking about CRM and social right. media, I, I really wonder if people knew how much information was being pulled together about them at the health system level, mm-hmm. how comfortable they would be with that, or mm-hmm. if they just don't think that it happens. I don't know, like, if there's a certain naivety, like, that health, they don't know that health systems have as much information kind of pulling together about them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it could very well be that. I mean, I, I think too that people don't think about, maybe they, they do equate the physician with that, with the hospital as well. Yeah, but that's that, what I was thinking. But, or maybe, the, maybe they didn't even ask the question about hospitals here, which is interesting. I haven't seen the original data source that this was, this was tied to. And keep in mind, it was only 4,000 people, right, that they interviewed. So not really a big... <laughs> statistical n but it is interesting and maybe it does reflect a lot of different other biases with this um 
but you know, I, I, I still think it's kind of interesting. I, I'm not changing my behavior. I'm still posting stuff to, I'm still checking my health kit. I'm still checking my map, my ride. I'm checking all the, these, you know, and if, and you either one of you own a Fitbit. I do. I have it on right now. Actually, it's the up 24, not the Fitbit, but. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. The up 24. <laughs> yeah. And, and the Garmin Vivo Smart, you know, you got to make sure we have the right, the right device name. You know? <laughs> okay. Excuse me. <laughs> we are not being paid by these companies. <laughs> but the point is you guys are still doing that. You're tracking that. Right. And so. Yep. I mean, so you may not trust it, but you're still using them to track stuff. I don't know. I think in the future, the, the convergence of that is sort of, um, it, it, it really does align with, you know, the fact that people are becoming more and more open to starting to share their data. Maybe they don't trust them, but they actually are sharing data um, with technology companies and subsequently, you know, through these digital means which actually is kind of a lead into another article that we were going to talk about. Um, Jared, did you want to talk about that article? Sure. Um, so there's a similar article about many patients are okay with linking social media to medical records, which when you think about it, it sounds like, wait a second, we just heard a completely the article about how they're not willing to trust, but this is specifically focused around uh, letting their physicians access their social media accounts. So right. the article says that people are generally open to the idea of sharing their social media accounts and letting physicians access their information to get signs of maybe health risk or uh, mm -hmm. to kind of pull the social media data that, mm -hmm. about them into uh, better care, maybe. Right. Well, okay. So, so this, was an, uh, this, this article is from Reuters. And it was talking about, um, I actually read some additional articles, but <clears throat> there was a, a, a clinical research study, right, that's being done in, in Pennsylvania or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I think uh, Penn Medicine Social Media Health Innovation Lab. And really what they were trying to do is actually, uh, they, were, they were really trying to look at, use this data to, um, to see if there's this impact on a particular type of clinical research that they're doing. But I think what the article, thrust of the article is, is that, they were surprised at how many people are open to sharing it. They didn't, they didn't think that so many people participating in this clinical study would actually share their social media accounts. But now they're showing that, that people are. That's interesting. You know, um, I don't know. Again, back to the whole thing. They don't trust Facebook, but they're, they're trusting a hospital electronic medical record system or a clinical research, uh, EMR, uh, electronic health record, to to um to share that clinical data that's it seems to me it runs a little counter to logic i was surprised by how many people how many posts seven and a half percent of all the posts were health related i know seems i actually thought that was a little crazy until just this i was actually thinking back just this morning i saw a post from a friend about uh, and he has cystic fibrosis fibrosis didn't know that until today mm -hmm. and i was like wow that's someone who and i you know you kind of like what you know it shows up in your feet all the time and it, it is kind of there all the time because it's what people are dealing with seven and a half percent of facebook posts are related to health yeah wow that's that is pretty crazy so i mean this opens the door to a lot of opportunity for health systems to start to really mine that that social media data right 
Uh, and I think there's other uh, areas where this has kind of been done. So there's this interesting tool, I wish I remember the name right now, that mm -hmm. goes and analyzes all of your Facebook posts to determine something about your personality. Right? So it oh, I saw oh, that. Right. My mother just did that. <laughs> I think mine did too. <laughs> and she posted something and she said, I talk about myself too much. And then she put in narcissistic, narcissistic much. And I was like, wait, this is not my mom. I don't know who wrote this. My mom doesn't talk this way. Anyway, but yeah, it, it like researches like the data or the, the text that you put on your, your feed. Is that right there? Yeah, yeah, right on. And wow. analyzes those numbers and says based on the, the number of words and the percentage of how much they appear in your conversation, it makes like these kind of weird algorithmic judgments about you, which I don't know how often about being judged by a computer, but you know, I mean, I guess there's something to it. I'm also a little suspect too, because you know, it's really hard to, to um, if you're just looking at word as like word patterns, I, you know, I still think they haven't sophisticated that enough to address um, like sarcasm or address the you know, particular tones. And I don't know, what do you? Yeah, that's funny you say that because going back to my previous life, when I used to have to analyze Facebook posts and Twitter posts, we had, you know, uh, back-end algorithms that were supposed to identify positive, neutral, and negative sentiments. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know... It was sarcasm versus so there, there would be a post that said uh, oh man I really like blah 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 and right. reading it it's clearly sarcasm but the system would say oh great that's a positive post <laughs> <laughs> and because it's how much you know there's only so much that right. a system or a computer can understand when we're not actually processing it and reading it out loud right well, Libby, your previous job, I guess, is being replaced by, uh, <laughs> by, by um, software now, I guess. Huh? Good thing I left when I did. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I still think there is a need for, like, some uh, – social media is, is the most ripe for also changes in the way languages and the changes in the way we describe things. And so I don't know. I'm thinking, I, I, I'm thinking though, that – it's cool that we're able to get access to it and then health systems can now access this and that patients are wanting to share that information. I think you kind of have to be really kind of uh, a little um, cautious about what the data is yielding until you can actually, you know, marry that up and marry that to something that's actually real, you know, and, and it might be that your job isn't, that your previous job isn't outdated. Maybe that, you know, they're still there. You just need to check to see what the, the data that the computer has uh, done. I don't know. Jared, do you think that stuff like this is going to really um, change the way uh, we can start to communicate with people? Oh my gosh, I you know I think there is this opportunity now, to, yeah, to truly personalize. I mean, at, at like the, the the most the smallest level. I think for a long time now, uh, I want to take it back. But there's big B two B companies have been really worried about managing all the relationships, and I promise I'll get back to healthcare. Uh, mm -hmm. And so they've been using CRMs to do it, right? They've been using this CRM to make sure they touch, make, manage every single touch point with every stakeholder at a giant company. Even if it was, you know, 150 locations or 1,000 locations, they could still do it because they put all the data in one place. Right. I think there's a possibility here with healthcare CRMs coming today. Eventually, wow. that every single interaction, right, was really tracked, even across social media platforms. And, mm -hmm. and so the whole dialogue is captured. And when that whole dialogue is captured, it just, it, the, it, I guess at some point, when, when does the communication become just a, a critical part of the care? 
Like I feel like that's like a big piece at some point where, you know, a doctor telling you your diagnosis is communication. Marketers telling you and encouraging you to act is communication. Right. At what point are marketers actually helping care and provide care for the community? I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, that's a, that's a huge thought. My mind is a little bit blown from that. Yeah. Because if you think about that, that means every every touch point you have with a patient, um, I mean, potentially could be a bit of data that kind of mines into that overall view of that patient. Is that what you're, you're is that kind of the future that you're seeing, Jared? A hundred percent. And we can act on it then, right? Once we have it, we can start responding appropriately. Just like, you know, if they have a, uh, I mean, I think Facebook uh, mood monitoring is probably a good idea. Something like, oh, we see someone with really depressive tendencies on Facebook posting. Maybe there, maybe there needs to be an outreach, right? Maybe we need to reach out to that person before there's a problem. If people have trusted their provider with that information, maybe it's a, a cool thing to bring up at the next, not a cool thing, but something that needs to be brought up at the next, uh, next appointment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that. I really do. But if I was like a healthcare marketer today, my, I, I would just feel like helpless. Like, how the heck can we start to, I mean, that sounds like an ungodly amount of data. I mean, like so much data, your business intelligence tools. I mean, you would have to, you would, I mean, it's like, I don't know. Uh, it just seems huge, <laughs> like a huge responsibility even. Um, you know, I, I actually uh, recently heard a guy from, uh, a guy, a guy uh, float out this, percentage uh, or this fact, and I'm not sure if it's real or not, but he said that um, in 2017, the chief marketing officer is going to start to be responsible for 71% of the overall technology investment in the company because of the drive towards business intelligence. Hmm. That seems significant if you think about that. I mean, and in a hospital space right now where they're spending millions of dollars on electronic health records, and we know, I mean, we talk about it, right, that these, the, that is like valuable data to kind of shape our communication. But right now, all of those systems are pretty much locked down pretty tight or, you know, it's not, it's not an open communication between that and marketing. So there's a little bit of work that needs to be done on our end. I wonder... Um Kind of like I think as we move towards this like population health model, and I you know we, we hear it talked about when we're, we're meeting with clients uh, about how they want to integrate data, and make sure the communication from population health um, is stored in the right way. Um, you know this whole idea of like this the really high need users at the top, but how do you manage the relationships with the eighty to eighty five percent or ninety percent of people at the bottom? Right? How do we make sure those people are still receiving care? And are, are, we're actually kind of pull, hopefully encouraging healthier lifestyles. And right. I mean, is personalized marketing the right way to do that? I, you know, that's a good point. You know, it's like driving their care. But there's so many other touch points too that, you know, that you think about. It's not only, I mean, point of care is probably the most critical measurement piece here, right? Is to help, shy, uh, help guide them through a positive healthcare experience. But um, the third article that we had is kind of leveraging onto that too, which is um, also using tools to kind of provide insights on patient behavior. So maybe that's a nice segue for us to talk about um, this other article that we found on Health Leaders um, website about leveraging Twitter for insights on patient experience. Now this is, this is another area where I think that communication starts to influence is the experience of patients. So, um, you know, Hospitals use, you know, a variety of tools. HCAPS is probably the most uh, widely used tool, right? Survey to determine 
the the level of patient experience within a within a health setting within a health system setting. And um, it, it, in here, it says that researchers at Boston Children's Hospital um, have like turned to social media, to specifically Twitter, to get some insight into measuring these patient experience and quality scores. Now, that's a whole other area, too, of communication that we, we haven't even talked about yet, right? I mean, think about all the, I think they, they, they measured in a period of time, so I'm trying to figure out here, between 2012 and 2013, they found thirty over thirty four thousand patient experience related <laughs> directed at seventeen hundred hospital owned Twitter accounts, um, and from those tweets they started to sort the tweets and they found out that a lot of them are more focused on patient centric, outcome value driven. You know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. A lot of them are talking about their experiences, which have value to address patient centric outcome and value driven. Uh, uh, care that we're going to be delivering in the future. That kind of blows my mind too, right? Totally. I mean, it, I think this this article just speaks to how, you know, more and more hospitals and health systems are becoming, you know, businesses just like, you know, an airline that someone tweets at or uh, another consumer product. You know, com- consumers, the patients at these health systems and hospitals are going onto Twitter to either, you know, when they, to share a really great experience or to complain when they had something, you know, terrible happen to them when they're there. Mm-hmm. I, I actually did that just recently. <laughs> Myself um, did, a, did a complaint about my uh, like a, a a very long wait time in a in a in a doctor's waiting room, um, you know, where they have you come at one o'clock and they can't see you till two thirty. Oh boy! So you know, you know, and so uh, you turn to Twitter, right? Because I think that's a way to vent. But can we? But what you know, in terms of that, there's more actionable data now that you can have. And now back to your point, Jared, about the future where you could track all these touch points. I mean, think about the implication of having a really good digital footprint of people coming through the engaging with your health system through all your these various mediums, right? Through social media, through your website, through um, through your, your your patient portal, and all the people that you know address their care. I, I mean, I mean, outside of being kind of like lost and wanting to go like hide their hide themselves under the bed. What what you know? What can we? What kind of recommendations can we make to our uh, to, to our clients? I mean, what what should we talk to them about? I mean, what are ways that we can get through this? You know, I really love the idea of uh, I hate to say preempting the Twitter, but I think uh, when it gets to that point, it's already affected the brand of the hospital, right? Like if if, if there's a negative, if there's a problem, mm-hmm. uh, it already has. And so I wonder, uh, and I want to use this kind of term. Uh, lightly intentional okay. uh but the where it's like it's it's experience triage right mm-hmm. so like as soon as as soon as the experience happens maybe you message them and ask how it went maybe you say right. hey right. chris how how was that wait we saw we didn't get in for a while because right. you haven't automated at that point and, right. and then if he ranks the level a one or a two you ask more questions about so he kind of gets the opportunity to self-vent before he gets to post to twitter or facebook right and then you have that data directly. You don't lose the data and you kind of know better about what customers are frustrated. And if they rank it high, then you encourage them to, you offer up links to Twitter and Facebook so they can go share immediately. So you kind of encourage that interaction. Well, okay, but wait, we got to be careful about this too, because with H caps, you know, that's the survey that they do at the end after they, the care has been delivered and they go and measure that satisfaction. Right. So with H caps, 
um, they have particular regulations that say the questions that you ask them through that point of care cannot be related closely to the questions that you're going to ask them at the end. Because they don't want you to kind of like start stacking the deck, so to speak, and guiding their care. But I think I still think there is a lot of uh, a lot of value in what you're saying, Jared. In fact, at one hospital system I was at uh, recently, we were talking about that as like, could these touch points be like sort of the bellwether of what your potential HCAP score will be after they're discharged? Right? If you're intervening along the way, is this a way you can help shift and make that experience better? Right, so that when they actually are discharged and they get that survey later, either by phone or by uh, by they deliver in the mail, that they have that memory of it being a good experience instead of a bad experience. You know, I don't know. That's kind of crazy uh, if you think about that. And what that means is that you're going to have to start like getting real time interaction, like real time intervention into care, real time. Yeah. And you have to do it like through Twitter, and you have to do it through, you know, through whatever systems that you have in place. I mean that that that's like a, that's like a fundamental change in the way organizations are running right now. So, wow. I thought I thought there's some companies trying to do that kind of stuff though. You know, who are trying to bring it up. It's just a matter of, and I think it, it maybe goes back to the first point of how much data is locked in the EMR and how much is it going to relate to outside data sources. Right. And, I mean, I was literally on a call today where we were talking about it sinking once a month out of the uh, out of the EMR. I mean, like once a month. So, right. in terms of automating anything, you, you can't really. You have to wait until right. that month is up and then send it out. If you're right. getting, I mean, getting to a day or an hourly or even a real time feed would be a uh, requirement of that. Right. Definitely. You know, meantime, I can go into a store. Um, I, I, I went into a store and, you know, I, uh, I, it was actually Apple store, right? And I bought an Apple product and as I'm leaving the store, I get an email that has my receipt and, you know, that's a really, I mean, they, they're real time. They're providing you real time interactions, right? Um, Jared, you were talking about another application that does this too, right? Weren't you? Yeah. So I switched my bank or I'm, I'm thinking about switching my bank and trying a bank uh, called Square. And Oh Yeah it's incredibly fast. Like I am blown away. Like I swipe my card and literally, uh, by the time the guy hands me my card back, there's a notification on my phone saying how much I spent, which is like, we're talking, we're talking two or three seconds. It's mm -hmm. that real time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then what's interesting with that too, is going back to how, how willing consumers are to share things is you can take, if you're on a, if you have a square account, you can link that up to a rewards program at that same company so that every time you go to that store and swipe your card, you're getting points. There's no separate membership card or separate email address you enter. It's all linked back to your debit card. So when you spend a certain amount of money then you get your reward. Wow. So it's now tied back to your credit card mm -hmm. and all the data source there that, um, you know, and if you're using Apple Wallet um, or Google Wallet or Apple Pay, so now the technology companies know everything you're buying, and uh, the whole trust factor it gets it gets enhanced even further. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. What a world we live in. But mm -hmm. I think it's pretty exciting. There's a lot of opportunity, and you know, I, I always say to I always say to people, it's good to keep this in mind. And there are ways that we're working right now with clients to kind of help them. Uh, navigate their way through and build a build a foundation so they can move towards that future because you know whether we fa face it or not I mean financial services figured it out they're 
everybody's got to figure this out. And in healthcare, it's nowhere more important because we're, we're talking about delivery of care, you know? Exactly. So, anyway, well, we're, we're almost, almost at the end, uh, but there's always a time living in the podcast yes. where we actually want to get to know a little bit more about our special guest. Um, Jared was in the hot seat last time. So now <laughs> in the hot seat. usually what we do is we kind of talk about like maybe a particular hobby, a particular interest that you might have. Um, oh yeah. Well, I mean, let me frame it this way. Let's do it this way. Since this podcast is coming out the week of uh, Thanksgiving, Tell us a little bit about like kind of what your Thanksgiving plans are and what's your favorite Thanksgiving uh, uh, item on the menu. Oh, Thanksgiving. Well, I have to say that Thanksgiving is probably, if not one, if not first, my second favorite holiday um, because it's the one holiday of the year where I really do absolutely nothing. What? Um, yeah. My, so my, all my extended family is in the state of Wisconsin. But my immediate family, my mom and dad, are in New Jersey. And so Thanksgiving was always a holiday just growing up because of, you know, sports in high school and things like that. We never went to Wisconsin. So it was always just my immediate family. And it's usually a lot of eating, um, the occasional adult beverage, and football on the couch. So I'm really excited because my Packers are playing on Thanksgiving night. So. That, that will be where, where you'll find me all day Thursday in front of the TV and um, behind the stove cooking things up. Um, I'd have to say that my favorite Thanksgiving dish is, hmm, that, that's a tough one, but there's this, this one stuffing that my dad makes every year, and it's, um, it has sausage, green apple, and I don't know what other goodness he puts in it, but uh, it's incredible, and I look forward to Thanksgiving because it's the only time of the year that he makes that. So, Jared, what about you? That sounds delicious, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just sitting there thinking, man, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. Uh, so my mom makes a, uh, a really special sweet potato casserole, which, I mean, I love her to death. It is probably more sweet than anything else I have ever eaten in my life, but it is a really good sweet, sweet, sweet potato casserole. Oh, wow. Does it have like marshmallows and brown sugar and stuff like that? So, no, she actually has a brown sugar and pecans on the top. And oh, my so gosh. It, oh, it is like this. Oh, uh, yeah. My. Uh, I made it uh, for some friends and they, and they, they look like I've never had someone ask me for a recipe in my life. Cause I, yeah, it's me. Uh, <laughs> but that was the one I got to get away. Cause it was my mom's uh, awesome. She did casserole recipe. recipe. Awesome. And where, where is Thanksgiving for you this year? Um, probably down in, I'm from Alabama originally. So down in Alabama, I uh, go get around the family's house, uh, the family and uh, we'll probably uh, watch some football as well. And just, you know, have a good time yeah. sitting yeah. around, eat, Talk, eat, talk, something like that. Yep, yep. Well, usually I go home for the holidays. That's Colorado. But this year, I'm actually going down to Des Moines, Iowa. Oh. Uh, yeah, to have Thanksgiving on a farm. Huh. So um, I, I'm not sure what's going to be on the menu, but I, I'm guaranteed that there's going to be sticks and sticks of butter involved oh. in whatever the preparation is. So Of course. Uh, and probably a lot of sitting on the sitting on the couch watching football and and you know also games you know that like just a little kind of social activities whatever you do, but I guess it's important for we all to get together and, and have that uh, you know every so often meet with people and just be communal, and then we can go share our health data on social media. <laughs> is this a friends thing or is it more like like just some experience like is this like farmhouse Thanksgiving experience because it sounds pretty great. No, it's it's going out with my girlfriend. 
with oh, my girlfriend. Okay. Her family, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hippie commune that we go to. <laughs> In the middle of Iowa. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we're probably also, um, we're trying to avoid politics, I guess, but they're getting hit up really bad right now about, about politics. So anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, that's great. Well, I, I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. I wish, you, I wish everyone listening a very happy Thanksgiving. Um, uh, this has been a great podcast. Um, so with that, I guess I'll sign off. This is uh, for the Healthcare Marketing Underground Podcast. This is Chris Boyer. Jared Usring. Libby Werner. Awesome. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.